Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's Zach Van Norman and Amy Hood with the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I'm broadcasting from Seattle and Amy is joining us from Orlando. Hello Amy darling. Hello love, how are you today? Well, I have to tell you I'm doing quite well because a very, very dear friend of mine was nice enough to send me a gift and I received it today and it's a fabulous shirt and... I absolutely love it. Oh, wait, excuse me. I think that fabulous friend was you, as a matter of fact. It was me. I am the fabulous friend. (laughs) Who knew? Thank you so much. Okay, so everybody, I'm going to be posting a picture on our Facebook page here in just a second. Two pictures, actually. Amy was nice enough to make us some shirts. She is an evil regal, and I am obviously on Team Emma. So uh, she made us some shirts that kind of say so. So I'm going to post those here in just a second, and you guys can see what I got um, and what she got, too. So sweet of you to send that. I've been wearing it all day. Actually, I work to school, and I'll probably be wearing it all night as well for pajamas. Aw, I'm so glad you liked it. I kept waiting and checking the shipping to see what it was getting to you. I'm like, does he have it yet? Does he have it yet? Because I didn't tell Zach that it was coming until uh, sort of last minute. I was like, hey, by the way, you might have mail coming. <laughs> Yeah, so those are going up online right now. So if you're listening to the podcast live, then you should be able to see them on our Facebook page. If you're listening to the podcast after the show and we're not live, you can still find it on the Facebook page. Just look for today's post. All right, so let's go go ahead and get on into our brand new, um, our news roundup here, rather, for what we've got going on. I just want to say hello to everybody in the chat room. I see that we've got Sarah Benedict in there as well as another guest. And if there's anybody else who's listening to the show, our usual disclaimer is that it takes a couple of page refreshes sometimes until the chat room opens. So uh, hopefully you will be able to join us sooner rather than later. All right, so for our news roundup today, let's see. The first thing that we're going to be talking about is the Once Upon a Fan Awards. Um, These are awards that Once Upon a Fan does every year, and it basically recognizes the, the best and our favorites of both the show Um, as well as the fandom. Um, Some of the categories that we have for the show include Best Actor and Best Actress, as well as the Supporting Actor and Actress, um, Best Visual Effect, Funniest Moment, and that kind of a thing. Um, For fandom, we've got a lot of, like, Best Video, uh, Best Fan Fiction, you know, things like that. So we just want to kind of recognize the Once Upon a Family and, and the show and give out our awards. Um, nominations will end on May 23rd. So as far as all of the fan-oriented um, stuff, like the video, uh, fan fiction, and things like that, you have until May 23rd to give us your nominations for who you think should win. You can submit your nominations through email. The email address is onceuponatimefans, with an S on the end of fans, at gmail.com. And again, you have until May 23rd to do so. Um, not the, uh, the awards themselves will begin on May 25th, and the way that this works is that we do it in rounds. So, you know, we'll have everybody vote, and then after the first round of voting is done, we eliminate, you know, a, the groups that have, you know, the smallest number of votes, and we continue it that way until we, you know, narrow it down. And then next month is June is when we announce all of the final winners and, you know, all the awards and everything like that. Uh, it's a really fun, really fun thing for us to do. We love doing it, and again, it's our third annual one. So, uh, 
Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Amy, how do you what do you think about the awards this year? I can't wait for them and I know, you know, I'm excited about the show nominations and things and it's really great to see who who's everybody's favorite actor, funniest moment. But I always love to see the fan art submissions probably the most. That and to see the things where oncers have been inspired to do things in the community. Those are two of my favorite things about the Once Upon a Fan Awards and the voting, I know there's been a lot of, seems to be a little bit of confusion on the post on the Once Upon a Fan Facebook page um, because it just sort of explains what it is. And it does say on there that voting starts May 25th. Once voting opens, then there actually will be a live link that you can click and go through, you know, and start voting. So if you're looking for the link now and not seeing it, that's why, because the live voting won't start until the 25th. Absolutely. We know that there's been a lot of questions so far about how do I vote, uh, you know, how do we vote. Voting doesn't actually start until the 25th, and there's going to be a, if, you know, you basically just click your options, just like you'd be voting for anything else other than a poll. So that's basically how it's going to work. So don't, don't get confused or anything. Um, yeah, it starts on the 25th. I want to make sure everybody knows that. Having mentioned the Once Upon a Fan Awards, um, that kind of gives us um, a way to move into our, the second round of our news topic. And it's actually kind of a serious discussion. So forgive us for just a moment for this venture into more serious territory, everybody, but we actually have to because it's become a large enough issue. So if you've listened to the podcast before, then you know that I personally, I'm just going to speak for myself here, Amy, and I'll, I'll let you do your show when I'm done. Um, okay. For me personally, I am very much on you know, I'm a huge ugly duckling. I love Emma. She's my favorite character. And I have been shipping a swan fire from pretty much the very beginning when we first found out that they were together. I love them as a couple, and I wanted them to get together. Now, obviously, the other side of that coin with Emma is Hook and the Captain Swan shippers and people who love, you know, Hook and Emma together. Okay. If you listen to the podcast, then you know that I'm not particularly fond of Emma and Hook being together. I have a lot of reasons for why I think so, and I know that there are people who agree with me and that there are people who disagree with me. Here's what I just want to say about my opinion of Emma and Hook being together, because I don't think it's a good idea. It is only my opinion, only mine. I'm only speaking for myself. My opinion and my views do not represent Once Upon a Fan as a whole. I do not speak for every staff member that we have because we have 10, 11, I think. Um, we have a lot of people on staff and we have a lot of people who are listening. And I just want to make it very clear, as I have stated several times on the podcast, but I just want to reiterate this point. This is only my opinion. There, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Once Upon a Fan has caught some attention recently from people who ship Captain Swan saying that, um, that Once Upon a Fan is against Captain Swan, that we actually don't want them to get together, and then in some way we are so opposed to that pairing that we don't even ever want to bring it up or mention it or anything else. This is false because for one thing, I have always stated that this is my opinion only. Number two, if you look at the Once Upon a Fan page, other than myself and Amy, because we're on the podcast, there isn't really a whole lot of shipping going on among the staff members. We do that on purpose because we don't want anyone to think that we are biased one way or another towards one couple, even though we all have our own opinions. If you look at the Once Upon a Fan Facebook page, 
or if you look at the Once Upon a Fan Twitter account, then you will see that there have been countless pictures that we have posted of Emma with Hook. Uh, we've done, you know, hand drawings. We've done people who use Photoshop to create kind of collages. All kinds of things have been submitted. Once Upon a Fan is not against Captain Swan. And I find it ridiculous that we're even having to address this issue because people should know that. Um, Nobody should ever take one person's opinion as speaking for an entire group of people because that's just not how people work. Uh, if anybody ships Captain Swan, and for everybody who is a Captain Swan fan, that's okay with me. I have, I have no ill will towards anybody who feels that way. I just don't think that these two characters on this television show make sense with the story details that have already been presented. Uh, that's just pretty much it. Um, the fact that it's come to this and that we're having to address it on the podcast because so many people have made an issue about this is kind of crazy to me because we embrace all ships of all kinds and we like everything. Um, so I'm not really sure where I came from, but we will be more mindful from here on out to make sure that we mention all of the shipping going on. Captain Swan, Rumbell, Snowing, um, Tinkerhook, um, anything like that. So that's pretty much my spiel. Amy, I'm going to let you speak on it now. I just, I agree that it's absolutely ridiculous that as grown people <laughs> we are having to make this statement. But again, it's the mail and a few of the tweets. Now, granted, the tweets came from a trolling account that was created specifically to only tweet out hate tweets. But I just, I'm also swan-fired. You guys know that. I don't dislike Hook. I love Hook. I think he's super, super gorgeous, and I've said many, many times that I ship Amy Hook. So I'm going to ship Amy Hook until the end of the storyline. But um, I just I don't understand the level of hatred and anger that's coming out of it and where people are getting that Zach and I are the reason for the ship wars and because we're putting down these ships. One of the things we love about this show is the fact that it has inspired so many people to like and to pair so many things and create so many things, and not just things that are canon and on the show, but things, you know, they've branched out creatively, and we have all of these really great pairings that, while they might not end up on the show, they're still really great for fan fiction and stories and artwork. And, oh, my gosh, it's just, you know, amazing. And it, it is, this was a really, I'm not going to lie, this was a tough, tough week. I had one day where um, Zach can attest I was a wreck because we, some of the, uh, the mail that came in was really, really bad. And it was never our intention to bash anybody. I have tons of friends, and I know Zach does too, that really like the Swan Queen, or not Swan Queen, sorry, Swan, Swan help me out here, Captain Swan, sorry. Captain Swan. <laughs> My mind is like in five million places. Uh, we have tons of friends that like the Captain Swan pairing, and Zach and I, again, are only two members of a 10 or 11 member staff, and we all volunteer you know, this is all stuff that we do because we love it. We're not paid at all to podcast or to write for Once Upon a Fan or do the research or cover the cons or any of that. All of that 
the trips and everything, when we cover cons, we pay for that ourselves just because we love to do it. So I just, I mean, and at one point this week, the day that I'm mentioning was really bad, people were calling for a boycott because of our, the supposed fan site, you know, not uh, not recognizing Captain Swan as an official ship. So I'm not going to go on and on anymore about it. You guys know how I feel. You know that, you know, we, we've kind of, Zach and I kind of coined the term once upon a family because of the fact that there were so many people from so many places around the world and with so many ships and so many different favorite characters, and yet everybody managed to come together for the common, you know, feeling the show has inspired within them. And I feel like that's what the focus should be. It shouldn't be this, you know, mumbo-jumbo stuff. But that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> it's kind of, it is it's crazy to me that we've had to address this. But I also am happy that we're addressing this because I don't want anybody thinking that we are against Emma and Hook being together to the point that we would never talk about them or that we would ever mess up. Because really what it was is we got a cue that we were going to rig the Once Upon a Fan Awards so that Emma and Hook as a couple would have no shot of winning. And that's just insane to me. That is absolutely is. insane. And Zach and I, I would not even have a way to do that because we have nothing to do with with polling or voting or anything like that. And, and I mean, to me, I honestly, those type of awards, I don't, it's not a big deal who wins because I think that, you know, any ship that wins or any favorite moment or any funniest line, you know, there's been so many great ones that just the fact that people are voting is a good thing. So, I mean, it really, I can't even believe the, uh, the, the whole rigging thing. Yeah, it's just, it got really out of hand, so we just wanted to take a moment and make sure that we address that really quickly and to let everybody know that we welcome all ships at Once Upon a Fan. We want to hear about everything because... Our harbor is totally ship-friendly. Yeah, we are totally ship-friendly. So, I mean, we ship Granny and Geppetto. I mean, come on. We do ships of all kinds. And I'm also... Also, a huge shipper of uh, of Franken Red or whatever the the ship name is for Frankenstein and Ruby getting the other. I would love to Frank see and that. Franken Yeah, Franken Wolf. Thank you. I think that totally makes sense. So now that Indeed. we've gone into the more story, let's take back out of this and go into more fun stuff because we've got a lot of some summertime conventions going up. I didn't know that Amy has some more information about that for us. Yeah, we did just want to give an update because I know a lot of our listeners are going to SpookyCon, which I'm attending, and it's getting really close. We're less than two weeks. I'm uh, so excited, and uh, I can't wait to meet all of our oncers. So many people have sent so many great messages asking about meeting up. But I did just want to let everybody know that there has been an update, so check your schedules if you're planning on the Sunday photo ops because the Lana and Sean photo ops that's Lana Perea who plays the Evil Queen and Sean McGuire who plays Robin Hood, that photo op has actually been canceled due to scheduling issues. Um, they couldn't they couldn't be helped. They had to cancel it. And a lot of you who have been to cons before, you know that's just kind of the nature of the cons you know, environment, things get canceled and moved around 
up to the last minute. So that there wasn't anything spooky could do. Um, that just timing and contracts, and that's just the way it fit in. So, but there's still a ton of stuff to do. Lots of autographs. Still the other photo ops, and it's still going to be really great. Um, the other announcement is that. I did talk to Lori Mahoney, again, just to double-check. There still are not new details on the meetup that's going to be um, at Spooky for the Enchanticon family, as it's called, all of us who went to Enchanticon. But as we get more details on that, we'll definitely get them out to you. Right now, it's going to be um, specific to those who attended Enchanticon, and if at Spooky you get an autograph from Lee Arenberg, Sean McGuire, and Martin Kleba, who was in Pirates of the Caribbean with Lee. So um, that's how that's going to work, but we don't have time or uh, specific date information yet, but we'll get that to you as soon as it comes out. Very exciting news. I mean, sad news, actually, about the, the photo op getting canceled, but I can tell you that these kinds of things, you know, they do happen. Um, scheduling is really crazy because they have so many things to do, so many places that they have to be all at once. Um, it's just kind of nuts. So I am sorry to hear about that for everybody. We took last year when we were at Enchanticon, and um, a couple of the dwarves and Beverly Elliot were supposed to go to Enchanticon, and they couldn't go because they had to film the episode, and you know scheduling didn't work. You know, luckily they were able to join us via Skype, so we were able to you know kind of have them at the convention, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, everybody, just I hope everyone still has fun though. Don't let this get you down about the convention or anything. You guys are still gonna have a blast down at Spooky, and maybe you guys can meet up with Amy and and Maury, who's also gonna go there. Our staff member Maury, and you know, there's gonna be all kinds of fun stuff going on. So yeah, just wanted to make sure that we mentioned that too. Um, also, we've got and the next convention we have this summer is in June. It's the 21st and 22nd. It's in Paris, France, and it's the Fairy Tales 2 convention. And um, we've got two staff members attending that one as well. We've got our editor-in-chief, who is uh, Gareth Hughes. We've also got our beta editor and one of our origins authors, who is Therese um, Smart. They're going to be there. And the guests at that one, the stars who are going to be there, are Lana Perea, Emily DeRavin, Robbie Kay, who played Peter Pan, and Sean McGuire, who plays Robin Hood. So that one will be, again, June 21st and 22nd in Paris, France. And anybody who's going to that convention, please take a lot of pictures and send them to us because I want to live like you. Yes. I am not going to be there. So, yeah, let me know. And then the final one that we've got going on this summer is uh, obviously San Diego Comic-Con in July. It's the 24th through the 27th. I know of at least one other person besides myself who's going to be there, um, which is my friend Angie Bell. And uh, so I expect to see her there and maybe a few other folks too. Um, but yeah, obviously we're going to be bringing you guys all the coverage for um, the convention this year, just like we did last year. Um, hopefully you're going to get a chance to talk to the cast again on the press line and ask them some fun questions and find out you know, about what they think of their character growth in Season 3, as well as what we can expect in Season 4 with the new Frozen storyline, which is going to be just insanity. I can't wait to see how this is all going to play out, really. I'm so excited about Frozen coming to Once Upon a Time. Really I do. I want. I was just gonna say. I now that she's coming, and I see the movie, I want like a little Elsa figurine or something 
to have for when the season starts, and they were not lying. That frozen stuff is sold out everywhere. You cannot find a, a an Elsa, an Olaf, an Anna. You can't find any of that stuff anywhere. You know what's funny is that I was at Target the other day, and I did mm-hmm. find I did find an Anna and an Elsa statue. But you know what it is? It's the game pieces for the Disney Infinity system. Oh yeah. For the gaming system, so they don't have any toys. They just have it for the gaming system. So if you are looking for a statue, you may be able to find one there, um, huh. and, you know, and just kind of buy it just to kind of have and chill around your house, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that would be awesome. I might have to resort to that if I can't find an Elsa before the uh, the season starts. Do we have a return date yet for season four? I haven't seen one yet. We do not have a premiere date for season four. I expect that it will be in either the last two weeks of September or sometime in October um, would be my guess. Just that's kind of what we've had so far. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm. What I'm also looking forward to, because in addition to the season four premiere date, we also need the season three DVD release date. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. I can't wait to add that to my collection and, and look at season three. Because honestly, like, it's, I've switched DVRs since the fall, and I haven't seen any of the Neverland stuff since it was on TV. And mm-hmm. I would really like to go back. I, I can't wait to go back and rewatch the Neverland stuff and take a look at that again. And, you know, kind of follow the story all the way through from Neverland to Oz, you know, and, and then on to Frozen and Arendelle, kind of. So, yeah. Um, Neverland seems like I it was agree. so long ago. Oh, my gosh. I know. It almost seems like it was a, a whole dip even when we yeah, had Neverland. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Sarah's making a good those... point. They do have some Hulu. Hmm. Thanks, yeah, Sarah, for pointing I'm going to have to look into Hulu. Because I haven't seen them either. I don't have a DVR. I'm still, you know, stuck in the past. But we don't have a DVR, so we have to find them, you know, by abc.com or things like that online if we want to watch something from this season. But they don't go all the way back to the Neverland story arc. So, yeah, I definitely am going to have to look into that because I want to rewatch it too. But have you seen – did you see the information that we posted about those Cryptozoic cards? You know, the Once Upon a Time collector cards that are coming out? I did. Yeah, I saw those. Uh, they keep update, updating and pushing the date back, but this was the first time we actually got a look at several of them, and they look gorgeous. Oh, my God, I want them so bad. I'm kind of like, I'm not, normally I go all out and I really like to, you know, collect a lot of stuff. But for whatever reason, with Once Upon a Time, like, the things that I want to collect, like, I really want prop replicas. Like, that's really mm-hmm. what I enjoy. I want stuff that's really kind of, like, one of a kind, which is why I love my shirt so much, because nobody else really has one. So right. um, that's, that's why I really – that's more of my thing. I like stuff that's kind of a little bit different. So I don't know if I'll be getting the cards necessarily, but – um, I, I do think that they're nifty, and I know that Gareth is probably going to get them because he's got just about everything under the sun related to Once Upon a Time right now. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so I'm pretty, yeah, pretty sure about that. Um, and then finally, um, let me see, we've got a few more notes here for our news roundup before we get into the episode discussion. So just want to let everybody know that in two days, which is Thursday, it is Jennifer Goodwin's birthday. 
So we're going to wish her an early birthday uh, from all of us that want to fan. And, of course, we'll be probably hoping to trend something like Happy Birthday Ginny or something on Twitter, I imagine, is what will happen that day. Um, yeah. But, yeah, happy birthday to her. I want to let everybody know about that, too. And really looking forward to some baby news out of that front because I, like, I don't know Josh Dallas or Ginny Goodwin, at all, like, really, but I want to know, like, where is the baby? Like, I'm ready for him to have the baby because I just want to see. I, I want to know the baby. Anyways, that's just me. Probably makes it's it got to be getting crazy. close. It really does. Like, she, you know, she looks like she's ready to go anytime. So, oh, I'm so excited. Because you know what? I really want to know. I want to know if it's a boy or a girl and what the name is. So excited for the two of them. And then also, um, we're going to be continuing our summer survival list from the character's point of view, and Amy has a little bit more discussion on that topic, I think. Well, we just got the list that we gave you guys last week, the one for Charming, and one of our staff members, Samantha, put it to a photograph. So now it's been tweeted by Once Upon a Fan and put on the Facebook page. We've gotten a lot of really great response from the fans on it. We were going to have another one by tonight for you guys to announce first, but we kind of wanted to ask you guys' opinion because we hadn't definite, you know, settled on the next character. So we were just curious if you guys had a specific character that you want to come second in the survival list. So if you guys have somebody in mind, um, let us know over the next day or two because we're going to uh, start putting that together to get published so that we have a different character out every single week for pictures. So Sarah says Rumple. Rumple's list should be really fun to do. <laughs> no doubt. Mm. I think Rumple's list can push the, low, like, push the boundaries of legality, to be honest. So that's why I want to make sure that we remind everybody that as you're participating in our list, you know, we do want to see you guys and your interpretation of what it's going to be, so please send us your pictures. But don't do anything that's unsafe and don't do anything that's going to put somebody else at risk, if anything, okay? Please use common sense and don't, you know, like... Don't go to don't, jail. <laughs> yes, okay? Don't just use common sense. Don't do anything that's going to hurt yourself or anybody else, all right? Or, and don't do anything that's against the law, okay? Like, you know, <laughs> do not... Do not release your pet dragon out of your garage and let it fly around your neighborhood trying to slay it, okay? I'm pretty sure the police would not be very happy with you if you did that. I'm just saying. Okay, so <laughs> uh, so that's the last bit of the news. So we can go ahead and get into our, our episode discussion now, which is really fun for me, actually, because as we watched this episode, you know, there was, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but since last week with the finale, we revisited this time period because of Emma and Hook going back in time. It was really fun to go through and watch this again because, like, we watched them fall in love the first time in the story when it was, like, new, and then we got to kind of watch it again and relive it in a totally different way for the season finale. So it, I thought it was really fun, and I'm glad that we did go through with the rewatch on this one because it made total sense. Amy, what do you think? I agree. I I loved seeing, I mentioned last week that I really liked seeing the, the identical dialogue but in new situations in the finale as they had to kind of work their way back to a situation where Charming and Snow could fall in love with each other. But I thought it was so well done. And I remember loving this episode so much the first time I saw it. 
this was like how I liked my Snow White. I like her, you know, tough and smart and fun and sassy. And this episode was just everything for her. I felt like she was probably one of my favorite Snow episodes, definitely. It was one of mine for sure because she was so different. She was not some shrinking violet um, damsel in distress, Snow White. Like, she saves the prince. I loved it. Yes. I I I like that, too. I like that twist on the original story. She wasn't the one waiting for a rescue at that point. Exactly. And I loved how they did. Yeah, there was a lot of things in this episode that I loved that they did. Um, Because I remember when the show was new, I watched the first episode and I thought it was pretty good. And then I watched the second one and I wasn't really sure because I couldn't tell what they were going to do. And it was kind of moving a little bit too slow for me. And then I remember when I watched Snow Falls, I thought to myself, okay, this is a different kind of Snow White. I can get behind this. Like, I really support that. Like, she is the kind of girl that I would want my little sister to be like. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. strong and confident and all these other things. And then, and then, yeah, as the episodes kept going, it just got me hooked, especially um, the episode we're going to watch in two weeks, which was that still small voice. That was the one that actually hooked me on the show completely. But anyways. Um, this is probably one of my favorite uh, snowing episodes, too. It's, it's definitely one of my favorite snow episodes, and I love it because there's a particular scene at the beginning of the show in the diner on this episode that stands out to me for a specific reason, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. So um, normally we do, you know, like, how should we do this? Because normally we do, you know, the, the flashbacks first and then the present-day stuff. And this one really lends itself well to going back and forth because of the parallels. Right. I think since we did that last week, we should probably do it that way this week since we're kind of comparing and contrasting anyway the last week and this week as we go along. So you think we should go back and forth? Yeah, that's what I mean. All right, cool. Let's do it. So the episode starts. Well, first of all, okay, I just want to say, watching this one, that I really miss the guy at the beginning of the show saying, there is a town in Maine where every storybook character you Like, miss it. Like, I miss because at the very end when he says, only one knows the truth and only one can break her spell. Like, it's one of my favorite parts. I miss because it feels like you're being read a story and it feels like Uh somebody is narrating. Like, it's almost like the per- like that guy who's saying that is the person who wrote the book. Oh, my God, it's Yen Sid. Oh, my God. Sweet. Uh, wouldn't that be hilarious if at the very end, like, we finally see the voice and it's, it's him with the book? That would be awesome because then it would be like, a how I met, it'd be like a How I Met Your Sorcerer kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh. I do miss that, though. I was thinking about that. Every time I do a rewatch, I think about how much I miss that little opening in the beginning with, you know, there's a town in Maine and the whole the whole little spiel. I want to get that as a ringtone. Somebody asked this week if it's available, and I've looked for it and can't find it, but I miss that so much each week. That, me that would always it's... get me, like, really excited for it, you know? It was like the lead-in. Exactly, yeah. Like, cause if you notice, like, and there's something that I've always noticed about this show. There's no opening theme song, and there's not really any opening credits. 
Like, there is no lead-in to this show because it's so detailed and layered that if you miss one, you know, you're kind of out of luck. Obviously, we get the title card where it says Once Upon a Time, and then it has, you know, whatever little Easter egg from that week's episode. But it's not quite the same thing. The whole, you know, uh-huh. there is a town in and that was kind of the intro for a long time, so I do miss it. Anyways, so the story, the show opens with James and Abigail on their way to their wedding, and they come upon a fallen tree, of course, and James, you know, figures out that it's been cut down, and a robber steals his satchel right out of the carriage, startling Princess Abigail. Oh, no. So he chases the thief down, and he catches up to her on a horse, and he knocks her off her horse, or well, knocks the thief off their horse, and it's revealed that it's a girl. Well, no, actually, it's a woman. And then the woman <laughs> hits the prince with a rock, and she draws blood on his chin before escaping. Okay. Da, da, da. And that is the story of how I met your mother. So <laughs> for Emma, I mean, anyway. Yeah, for Emma, at least. So back in Storybrooke, Mary Margaret is on a date with Dr. Whale, who keeps checking out Ruby. And why wouldn't he? Because she's pretty much got some short shorts on and an apron and a shirt, and that's like those legs. She's got some gams. And Mary yeah, but Margaret she was and, being really smarmy about it. I remember thinking that. Poor Mary Margaret's like, you know, talking to him about her hopes and things, and he's not even looking at her. He's looking right past her and looking at those long ruby legs. I was like, what a pleasy, smarmy little man. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it, too, and I'm like, wait, so, like, like, how did they meet to even go on a date? Why would she agree to go on a date with such a creepy guy? I don't even know. Who knows? It's the, they, they were cursed. That's all I can say. So yeah. Mary gets the date, and, you know, she's outside walking around. She comes across Emma in her car. Emma's looking for a place to stay. And the town has no vacancies. And Mary Margaret says, well, it must be the curse. So, you know, she even, even she knows. And then they talk a little bit about her date and how it didn't go very well. And I love the fact that they have the line where she says, I'm a teacher, not a nun, because originally they had intended for Mary Margaret to be a nun. That's why she's you know, wearing the cross and everything in the pilot, and she was going to be one of those yeah. sisters. So, yeah. So, Which I um, think is a smart move that they changed that because it, ooh, yeah. I think it opened up her behavior and things they could do with the character a little more. I agree, and I'm yeah, glad she was a top button character. kind of girl. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, Snow, or Mary Margaret has that great line where she says, I guess if true love was easy, we'd all have it. Mm. And uh, she offers Emma a place to stay, but Emma says that she does better off on her own. And she gets this look on her face when she says it too, like she, you know, like she is realized, like, you know, she's realizing that she doesn't have to do that anymore. Um, that she actually does have a friend in Mary Margaret, which is pretty cool. Right. So say Mary Margaret and her class, including Henry, are in the hospital, kind of taking care of patients and volunteering and so forth, and. You know, Mary Margaret, she sees that Henry is over in John Doe's room. And I just want to point out again that Jared Gilmore was so little when this show started compared to what he is now. Holy smokes. Yeah, that kid is definitely hit a growth spurt. He is so, like, 
he's I have to I see it every day with my own son because he's about the same age as Jared. So yeah, they're just in the last three years. It went for he's not a tiny little little kid anymore. He's ready to get a sword and a horse and go into battle. Yeah. God, you know what I never thought of before? Who would Henry's true love be? Like, romantic wise. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if there if that'll ever come into play, if like maybe he'll have like a little girlfriend or something one day. Oh okay, sorry, just planning ahead, but it's so cute to think yeah. of Henry having a girlfriend. Okay, so, um, and I also, too, I just want to say that I love how Mary Margaret's green cardigan matches her flashback coat. Like, they're both green. Mm. Like, she wears the same colors, like, you know, I am with color. And this, actually, you know what's funny? This episode is where I got the whole idea of, um, is where I actually saw that red was really important because of charming. Mm -hmm. Like, this is actually the episode where I wrote the article about red and charming. Like, I based a lot of it off of this episode, because if you look at his clothes, he's wearing red, and, you know, when it's seen coming up, I'll talk about something else that happens too. So, yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, But, yeah, so anyway. um, So, uh, she asks, or he asks, Henry asks Mary Margaret, there we go, if she knows who John Doe is, and she doesn't, and they talk about how, about him and his coma and everything else, and you know, then they kind of just leave. They just take off because she wants to get him out of that room because he's got some stuff that he needs to do. So um, Henry, you know, later on, he meets Emma uh, at his castle, his playground castle. And um, he tells her that he found Prince Charming in the hospital and that he's her father and that they need to remind him of his past. So they have a little bit of a discussion where Emma kind of disagrees you know, with what he's saying. But then she does agree with him, and she tells him that they're going to do it her way. And so she goes to have a talk with Mary Margaret over at Mary Margaret's apartment. I love the fact that right away she made Emma a hot chocolate with cinnamon in it. Like, not only cinnamon yes. sticks, but cinnamon cream. Yep. So good. I love Little things like that just made season one for me. I loved the little subtle things where you could you they showed the connection, but it wasn't something blatant and in your face. It was just like a little thing that, that showed it. I loved that so much. Me too. That little touch. Yeah, that was that's that's a once or thing right there for sure. Put mm-hmm. on your hot topic. So then they agree together that Mary Margaret should go read the Snow White Prince Charming story to John Doe because that mm-hmm. will get Henry to see that it's all just a fantasy and that it, you know, it's not really happening and that it's just a story. So Mary Margaret goes to the hospital and she reads to John Doe. And I love when she's reading him their story. It's so cute and romantic. And the role reversal of the fact that it's the prince who's asleep, like I said earlier, and it's the princess who's sitting there trying to save him and wake him up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just love it. I just love it. And the music, their theme, oh, my God, this is when Mark Isham really, you know, like he's really started establishing musical themes and cues and things really early in the show, and this was one of them. So um, I just love it. I absolutely love it. So she's reading the John Doe, and she gets to the part. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, sorry. I thought I lost you. I was just going to say that that's one thing that, 
definitely stood out for me in this episode was how great the music was. I loved the music in this episode. It was it was amazing. The music is I'm a I played in orchestra for eight years, so I always, the music stuff always always sticks out to me. Um, so she's reading him their story, and she gets to the part about you know, they didn't need words to express what they knew in their hearts. And you know that she's going to say that they would always find each other, but then he grabs her hand. And she's obviously freaked out by that. So she gets mm-hmm. Dr. Whale and Dr. Whale looks at all the machines and he tells us that there are no readings to corroborate what she's saying as far as how he's waking up and so forth. So then she leaves and uh, he calls Regina to let her know that John Doe is waking up. Um, because a visitor came, and she asked who the visitor is, and he says, Mary Margaret Blanchard, and she just holds the phone so tightly and so angrily. Oh, my gosh. It was just – I remember wondering to myself back when it was new, like, what is going to happen now? Like, what is she going to do to mess this up? Like, she's going to do yeah. something. Um, so then uh, Mary Margaret, you know, she goes home after that to go keep reading their story. And so as she's reading the story, she flips the page to where Snow is, like, in the cave preparing to leave, and that's when it goes back to the flashback. And Snow is gathering her things in the cave, and she's going to leave, and she walks out of the huge tree stump that serves as the door. She looks all back in it in relief as she's finally getting out of that situation, and she's promptly caught by Charming in the net. (laughs) And it was funny because I never noticed the ropes of the net before this episode, but suddenly I just saw them right in front, and I was like, oh, they're there. Why didn't she know that? Like... But I know why she didn't see it. It's because the script told her not to. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I'm in here. They make, you know, yeah, James, rather, catches him in the net, and she names him Prince Charming. Okay, cool. So then they make, they have their discussion about how, it, you know, she took his mother's ring, and he needs it to marry the nag with a bad attitude. And, uh-huh. uh you know, they may basically make a deal for Snow to return his mother's ring to him. Okay. So, you know, he and he takes the sword and he cuts down the net, and that's pretty much it. Because at this point, Emma and Hook haven't traveled back in time, so there was no interruption of that. <laughs> it's so weird to watch this episode knowing that, that it's going to end up changing. So um, yeah. it's kind of like when you watch Back to the Future and then you watch Back to the Future Part 2 and then you go watch the first one again, it's just kind of, it's mm-hmm. kind of weird to be like, and so Marty was right there when this was happening and, you know. Yeah. So, anyways. So the next day, you know, after Mary Margaret has read John Doe the story, um, Emma meets Henry at Granny's and she's wearing Regina's shirt because he gave it to her for some reason, which I thought was really interesting and it really made me wonder if Emma, like it made me wonder right then in the third, I'm, when it was new I'm talking, that I wondered if Emma would at some point go bad or at some point Emma would like join Regina like and they would work together in some way because she was wearing Regina's shirt and so it was like, you know, she's like wearing the trappings of the queen so to speak so they're going to like, you know, it was like symbolism going on for their partnership later on. Okay, cool. So Mary Margaret arrives to announce that John Doe woke up while she was reading to him. And Emma is surprised, and Henry's not, really. And he's, Henry says that they need to go back and read more to him. And Mary Margaret, like, immediately agrees and just gets up to leave, like, right away. This is actually the scene that I was just talking about a couple minutes ago, the specific scene that happened with Mary Margaret that made me really happy. This uh-huh. scene... 
here's why I love it so much. It's because even though Emma is in it, really if when the camera is looking at Mary Margaret and Henry, they're sitting together at the same table with the book. It's mm. one of the only scenes that they ever have together in the entire right. course of the show. Like almost like pretty much every scene that Snow White and Henry have together or Mary Margaret and Henry have together, it involves the book. It's always those two and the book. Always. Mm-hmm. I find that so and interesting. I, like that. I, I do too. Like it makes sense to me that that would be the case. And, and see, what's so funny too is as I was watching that scene, it made me think of the episode. What was it? Save Henry in Neverland, where we finally saw when she gave him the book. Uh-huh. Yeah, like it was funny because I was like, wait, so we've seen where she gave him the book and he looked at it for a second and knew that she was Snow White and then he saw Emma on the blanket and then he went and found Emma on whosyourmama.org and used Mary Margaret's credit card to charge it so that he could go find Emma. You know what I mean? Like it's weird to think about it happening in chronological order now. Like, and it's right. really fun when you go back and you, and you see these scenes like – now that we've had some of the gaps filled in, I just really like that. I thought it was something that stuck out to me in this scene. Me too. I love when we do rewatches because I love the parts that were a mystery the first time we watched them. Now that we've seen more and we know what goes there, it's like it opens up the show when you rewatch it, like you're seeing it almost for the first time, you know, the episode, because you know what, goes in these gaps that we didn't know about before and I, I, I love that. I thought it was this especially this episode now that we have such a great parallel with the season finale. This was so good and I had already loved this episode but I think I like it even more after uh, doing the rewatch. Yeah, I, I'm loving this. I'm totally loving this. Uh, it's making me fall in love with the show all over again so to speak. So it's just it's really nice. Um and I also want to point out one thing, too, about the first season and especially the early episodes. The show has such warm tones to it compared to what it is now. Like, if you look mm-hmm. at that scene when they're, when they're in, you know, the scene where they're in Mary Margaret's apartment and they're talking about how she has to go read to Prince, you know, to John Doe, and then they're in the diner and they're talking, it's really warm light. Like, there's sunlight coming in. They're lit pretty brightly. It's got a really warm tone to it. Think about the uh-huh. storybook that we've seen lately where it's more pale. Like the light is, you know, it's not, it's, it's more pale. It's not as dark. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you know, like what I'm referring to? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it does. There is a subtle change between the seasons and the way that the filming looks and the way the environment looks as far as lighting and colors, I think. Yeah, the cinematography really was different. And it makes me wonder, too, because they use stuff like that, you know, like lighting and things like that and scenes to help tell the story. So it makes me wonder if it looks like that because at that point things were more innocent on the show. It hadn't gotten as serious yet. And it was more like, you know, kind of lighthearted. Because um, really in the darker episodes, like I'm thinking about scenes like, like Neil's funeral and how kind of uh-huh. – you know, kind of starts out with lots of blacks and whites, you know, and, and things, lots of shadows and, you know, things like that compared to these warm scenes that we had in season one. Like, they just, they stand out to me now because they don't happen as often on the show anymore. So I couldn't help but notice right. that. 
Um, so then, you know, they all, you know, so they're going to go to the hospital and they all arrive and they discover that John Doe is missing. And not only is John Doe missing, but Regina is there looking none too happy. Uh-huh. And, you know, after she scolds Henry for lying to her, he accuses her of having, you know, something to do with John Doe's disappearance. And, you know, Emma says that it is kind of weird that the mayor is there, and she says that she's there because she's his emergency contact person. And Mary Margaret asks if she knows him, and she's like, well, I found him years ago on the side of the road, you know, and I brought him here, and I've been his emergency contact person ever since. Like, it's weird. It is weird. Yeah. Um, just a little bit. And you know what else, too, what I love about this episode, something that we haven't mentioned yet? Graham is still alive in this. Yes. Yes, he is. I loved Graham. And when he died in the season, I seriously <laughs> thought for sure he'd be back, that they were going to bring him back to life because I had realized that they were actually going to start, you know, going that dark and keeping people dead at that at that point. I was like, oh, he'll be back, he'll be back. And then he wasn't. <laughs> so, yeah, my judgment calls on these dead people is just not uh, not working out so great. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, and you know what? One thing I want to point out, too, about this is that now that we have seen the finale, I know exactly what Eddie and Adam meant when they said that they had wanted to get Jamie Dornan back to be Graham because he could have been the huntsman in, you know, in the flash, you know, when they went time traveling. Like, and, oh, my God, that would have been tragic. Can you imagine what would have happened if Emma had seen Graham, like, still alive while she's with her? Uh, oh, my God. Uh, what, oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing storytelling right there. Wow. Yeah. Because, because you know what? Because you know what? What if Emma decided to save Graham's life at that point and brought him? Oh, my good golly. There were so many possibilities that could have happened from that. That would have been fantastic. Wow. That would have been really good. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so sad. So, um, so, good. so back in the story that's actually happening, instead of the one that we're inventing here on the podcast, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> They're still at the hospital, and, you know, Dr. Well comes over and tells them that, you know, with the condition that John Doe was in, he's probably not doing very well, and that they need to find him pretty soon. And Regina, you know, Emma says that they got to go, and Regina says that she's going to, you know, keep Henry away from her, basically, and stuff like that. And then here's the part that I love. She comes over to Emma, and she says, and you can keep my shirt because that's all you're getting. Like, yep. Make me a very... <laughs> It's very clear that this is my kid, so I don't know who you're messing with, but he's my kid, and that you know that right there was the battle too. So then she tells you know Grant, Regina tells Graham that he needs to find John Doe, and so they all go into the security case, and there's that great moment between Leroy and oh my God, what is Sleepy Storybrook name? I just want to call him Foxy because I know that's his real name. Um, yeah, yeah, there's that scene between Lee Ehrenberg and Faustino Debata, and they're talking about how, you know, he, like, you know, basically, sleepy fell asleep on the job, and Grumpy is not going to take the blame for it. Okay, cool. So then they're watching the tapes, and Emma realizes that they're watching the tapes from the wrong day, because the banners that the kids brought in are not on the tape. 
Mm. So you know, Emma's obviously a smart cookie, and they see that John Doe has walked. You know, he basically just walked out on his own, on his own power. Um, not a big deal, whatever. But they got to go find him. Okay, cool. Meanwhile, back in the enchant. Oh, and also too, though the door that he went out, it leads into the woods. Because who doesn't build a hospital right next to the totally dark, creepy forest where somebody could get hurt if they just walk out a door? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you, Regina's curse, man, or Rumpel's curse, rather, it really is evil because the geometry, or rather, like, the way that it laid out the town, like, it's just, wow, not really correct. (laughs) Back in the Enchanted Forest, Snow and Charming are, you know, walking through the woods trying to find you know, well, they're going to where she sold his mother's ring. And they talk about the fairy dust and, you know, the dark fairy dust, at least, and how it can, you know, change an enemy into a form that's easily squashed and that kind of thing. And then, she, you know, they talk about her, you know, how the queen is pursuing her and why she's on the run. And, and you know, she talks about how she ruined Regina, or the queen thinks that Snow White ruined her life, and he asked her if she did, and she says yes. And that was kind of, you know, what I liked about that was the fact that she wasn't just like, no, I didn't do anything at all. You know, I right. Regina. Actually acknowledged the fact that, yeah, I, I did what she's accusing me of. Like, and to be honest, too, because I, I don't know if I mentioned this when we did the win, like when we did our rewatch for the winter hiatus, but I knew <laughs> after the second, like I knew after the thing you love most that Snow White has somehow gotten Regina's like boyfriend or whatever killed because she talks about how, you know, like when she says that line where she's like, what she took from me, like, you know, all that stuff, it's eating me alive and stuff like that. Like there was, I just Uh kind of had a feeling that that had something to do with it. And then when she said, yes, I did do what she is saying. I was like, Oh, maybe Snow White really got her boyfriend killed. And that's why she's all pissed off. Like maybe that's what's going on here. I don't know. So, Snow and Charming, after that, you know, they come upon, like, you know, the stream or the creek or whatever, and Snow is, you know, drinking some water because she's thirsty, and, you know, it's kind of just cool to see how people would live their everyday lives in the Enchanted Forest if they're just walking around on a trip, you know what I mean? Like, you don't right. often see in these kind of stories, like, you know, how do they eat and drink and that kind of stuff, like, where do they get their food? Like, you know, this, it was just kind of cool. I just liked it. <laughs> just establishing, you know, the world, world-building stuff. And so Snow knocks charming into the river and this scene is hilarious to me because you can tell from josh dallas's face that that water was freezing yes yes definitely poor guy because you know they had to do that scene multiple times so he had to keep getting knocked into the cold water oh yeah because one of the first rules that we learned about with filming is that you have to film everything at least three times at least three times um, just to get just to get from coverage. So there's at least three takes that happen with any scene. So I just thought that was pretty cool too. So then Snow runs away. Obviously, she takes the satchel and she runs away. But as she's running away, she gets caught by the Queen's Black Knights, and you know she doesn't have the Dark Fairy Dust because she left it with Charming, and so she's kind of out of luck. You know, there's not much that she can do. She's right. Oops. So then back in Storybrooke. Um, Graham, Regina, or Regina, Graham, Emma, wearing Regina's shirt, and Mary Margaret are in the woods, and they're looking for, you know, John Doe, 
And at one point, you know, Graham says, you know, this is my world, let me do my thing, basically. And Ember looks at him and I'm like, okay, like, whatever. So she's like, yeah, sorry, like, whatever. She's used to she tracking to down people, though. <laughs> well, yeah, she's a bail bond person. So then she and Mary Margaret talk about, you know, her about how Emma Singh is finding people and, you know, her history and... Yeah, she's adopted and stuff, and they talk about Henry and things like that. And you know, she Mary Margaret asked if Emma ever found her parents, and Emma says, "Depends on who you ask." And it's so funny because like she's sitting there talking to her, like it's so weird. It's like she's talking to her mother, like but she doesn't yeah. know that it's her mom. Like, oh my gosh, it's so weird to go back and watch these early episodes because it's like because now I'm thinking to myself, Emma, why didn't you believe that right away? Like, it was so clearly obvious. Girl, why didn't you just believe? I don't understand. But then, you know, I realized that she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have the information that we do. This is just a fun show to watch. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was, I'm, I kind of missed that where, you know, not just the relationships, but, you know, having characters where we don't know who they are and there's little tiny clues and, you know, they give us an episode or two before it's revealed and, then there's all the speculation and everybody's going nuts with theories and trying to piece the clues together and figure out who's who and who the character is. So uh, I, that's something I definitely miss. Sarah, sweetie, I think I lost you. Oh, no, sorry, I'm here. Yeah. So um, I had my phone on mute while I was, like, sneezing and coughing because I didn't want to <laughs> have my allergies no. all over the podcast. <laughs> so um, awesome. anyway, sorry about that, everybody. So what's really weird is, like, yeah, I don't know. This like part of the fun of the show. You're right. In the early seasons, was trying to figure out who was who, and you know, figuring mm-hmm. out what character was which. And I remember thinking when the show was new that like I thought that the finale of the show, like the entire show, was going to be Emma breaking the curse and believing, and everybody would get their memory back, and that was going to pretty much be it. You know, um, right. I thought I thought we were going to have seasons worth of Emma not believing but working together with everybody to kind of, like, bring Regina down and also investigate, like, the more shady parts of Storybrooke and then her slowly coming to realizing that, like, you know, it's true. Like, I thought it would kind Mm -hmm. of be a thing where all the characters would get in situations that had nothing to do with fairy tales at all and it would just kind of develop the drama. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. something, like, something major would happen to make Emma question everything and then it would just kind of keep happening at a breakneck pace and then she would just kind of believe and... And then, you know, her and, her and Regina would have this big ultimate magic battle and, and you know, she'd pull a Harry Potter and, sorry, and she'd, uh, she'd pull a Harry Potter and, like, you know, defeat Regina after Regina tries to shoot magic at her and Emma would, like, turn it back on her and Regina would basically shoot herself with magic and that would be it for Regina. Like, that's how I thought that the show was originally going to end. So, yeah. Um, obviously not how it's going to work out. I mean, who knows, but it doesn't seem that way anymore. So, anyways, Mary Margaret and Emma are in the woods with Graham, and Henry comes running up, and you know they're at, he's asking whether or not they found him, and he wants to help find him, and they keep arguing with him that he can't, and he they, and then they just agree that they're going to let him. So then Snow White is about to have her heart carved out by you know one of the Black Knights when he suddenly gets a knife in his back because Charming is awesome and has great aim, and you know he is. He's down to the count, and then 
you know, he shows up to take on the other night. And so they go at it, and they're doing their whole battle thing, and and Snow White's watching, and it's all romantic, and, you know, she's trying to get away, too. Like, she tries to get on the horse and run, but then the other knight comes up, and he takes her, you know, and then snar- Snarming. <laughs> well, I'm really glad we went with Snowing and not Snarming for that ship name. So then Charming, you know, he basically follows after him, and he shoots an arrow straight through the trees, and it nails the Black Knight, and he falls off the horse, and that's pretty much it for him. And Snow White's left on the, you know, she's still on the horse, and she rides away. And then, you know, she comes upon Charming, or he comes after her, and she thanks him for saving him, and he says it was the honorable thing to do, which is exactly the same thing that they said in the season three finale. Like, it's, they had the same dialogue, just in a different setting. So Yes. So cute. So then, back in Storybrooke, so, yeah, so then back in Storybrooke, um, son, mom, and grandma are walking through the woods trying to find grandpa. This hilarious. This is just hilarious. Like, this is what I'm describing right now. So then she, and then I love when Emma's like, you know, she's talking to Henry and telling him that he needs to go home, and she's like, kid, where's your mom? She's going to kill you, and then me, and then you again. Like, huh. I that that. I mean, that was, yeah, that one's always been one of my favorites. Like, I don't know why, but it, actually, you know what? It made me think back then. It made me wonder if, like, because in a way, Regina does kind of kill Henry, like, because of the turnover at the end of the first season. Mm. And then I'm like, well, does that mean that Emma is one day going to fall under the sleeping curse again? And then, like, will Emma ever go under the sleeping curse? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. That would be an interesting twist. If they put no, Emma in the I, sleeping no, I don't want that to happen because then that means that Hook would have to kiss her to wake her up. Oh, well, maybe Henry can kiss her to wake her up. I, no, you know what would be totally perfect? If Snow White kissed Emma to wake her up from the sleeping, from the sleeping curse. The mother waking the yeah. Yes. Yes, I'm all for it. That's what I'm pushing now. Okay, so. There you go. <laughs> so then after that, you know, he says that, you know, he he basically snuck out of the house to go find him. And then Graham calls him all over because he just found, like, you know, John Doe's wristband from the hospital on a tree or, like, on a plant or whatever, and it's got blood on it. Oh, no. That doesn't bode well for him. He's got a boo-boo. He does got a boo-boo. So back in the <laughs> Enchanted Forest now, uh, Snow and Charming come upon the Troll Bridge. And, you know, they go through that whole song and dance of trying to get back, you know, Charming's mother's ring, but then they know that he's a royal, and they try to take him hostage, and they have to fight and stuff. And in this version of the story, Snow White hasn't used the dark fairy dust yet, so she uses it to turn the trolls into bugs. Which, I mean, that's pretty much it for them. And then, you know, she and Charming talk, and he thanks her for saving him, and she says it was the honorable thing to do, and she gives him back his mother's ring, and they collect their stuff, and, you know, then they just kind of walk away. Meanwhile, back in Storybook, we're at the Toll Bridge, which somebody has scribbled an R in to make it like a troll bridge. And, you know, they have, everyone has got their flashlights out, and they're looking for John Doe and trying to find him and, you know, see what's going on. And then suddenly... Mary Margaret finds him. She finds him. He's in the water. His face is down in the water, and it's tragical. I also want to point out, too, that um, 
Charming's hospital gown, or rather David Nolan's hospital gown, is blue. That's something to keep note of as you as you kind of rewatch episodes in season one, everybody, because if you watch, Charming always has red on. Like Prince Charming always has red on, and David always has blue on. The reason why is because red represents power and passion and authority and you know, his role as the prince versus David, who is a coward and isn't very sure of himself, isn't very confident at all, very much the opposite of Charming. He has on a mm. cold blue color, because, and that's the reason why. Um, and if you continue to watch those episodes, you'll see that that's kind of, you know, that's how, that's how it picks up. Um, so, yeah, there's that. So then um, Graham, Mary Margaret, and Emma carry John Doe out of the river, and she tries to wake him up, and she says, you know, she says, come back, and then she whispers, come back to me, which is the same thing that Snow White said to Prince Charming, right, you know, when she thought he was dead and everything in the pilot, so it's pulling back to that. So cute. Ridiculous. They're so <laughs> cute, like, they're so cute. Like, I remember in the first season, like, this was one of my favorite stories. Like, I remember Charming and Snow were, like, my favorite couple. And all I wanted was for the two of them to get together. And then it's like, the, I feel like they got them together, and then they did nothing with them. Like, nothing. Mm. Like, they separated them for a minute and sent them to the Enchanted Forest, and then they brought them back together, and everything was, like, okay. And then they went to Neverland, and there was some drama about Charming lying. But that didn't really stick because the situation still was okay and she forgave him. And then Oz happened and the whole year went through and they forgot everything and just like, can, like, where did where did the charming and snow of season one go? Like, they're too happy right now. Like, it's okay to be hopeful and optimistic, but they need to have some kind of wrench thrown in something. Like. Something needs to happen in their relationship to really cause some kind of a problem. Like, I really thought at first that there was going to be a situation that played out where they were going to, like, separate. Like, when they were in season two or whatever, when they were looking for, you know, two different houses and talking about where they were going to live and stuff. Uh-huh. I thought they would end up having some problems, like some real, you know, real-world problems, and then, like, separating or something like that, which would be totally lame after all the crap they went through in the forest that they'd separate over some crap like that. So that <laughs> But still, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, I don't know, something needs to happen in their relationship to kind of switch it up a little bit. And I'm really curious, one of the things I'm really curious about with season four is how they're, like, how they're going to, how the new parent thing is going to happen when they get to do all the stuff with the new baby that they didn't get to do with Emma. I wonder how how that all is going to come into play. Right. And I wonder if season four is going to pick up after any time has lapsed, like, are we going to, it's going to be, you know, eight months later and Snow's baby is toddling around or something, you know, are we going to have a time jump when we get to the beginning of season four? Yeah, like, are we going to have a toddler running around or something? Like, I don't know, I don't think, but, but yeah. So then um, Snow White, or rather, Mary Margaret gives John Doe mouth to mouth and it wakes them up. So she basically gives them a kiss and wakes them up. And Henry even points that out, and Emma's like, yeah, he totally did wake him up. That's <laughs> She woke him up. Totally weird. So then they take him to the hospital, and he's getting checked out by Dr. Whale, and, you know, everything looks like it's fine. Until, a, 
unknown blonde woman who we know is Princess Abigail in the Enchanted Forest comes running in saying that she's his wife and her name is Catherine and she's been looking for her husband and, you know, it's all weird. Well, actually, we get all that information from Regina who is all, like, smug about it when she tells, you know, Mary Margaret and Emma that she found her. Like, yeah. Of course, Emma's not buying it. She's like, wait a second. All of a sudden, you know where his wife is. Give me a exactly. break. Exactly. <laughs> yep, it's just weird. So then after that, we go back to the Enchanted Forest, and Snow and Charming are, you know, they're saying goodbye, and she, you know, she's giving him back his ring, and he's giving her what he promised her, and and what's funny is to think about now is as I watch this scene, I'm like, somewhere Emma is in the background watching this. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Like, it's so fun just to think about that. And, you know, she puts on the ring and says it's not her type, and he says that if she needs anything, he'll find her, and she believes him. And, and then they part company, and they look back at each other at two different points. And, you know, and it's just sad because they so clearly have chemistry. Love each other. Yeah, and yeah. now, of course, Emma got to watch her parents fall in love, which is super sweet. Absolutely, yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of that episode, actually. So then back in Storybrooke, you know, there, Regina is telling Snow, or she's, see, now it's hard because she actually was Mary Margaret at this point. So Regina is telling Emma and Mary Margaret about how, you know, who Catherine is and how she found her and, you know, and talking to Henry about insubordination and just being a totally evil queen. And then, you know, Catherine comes out and she starts talking to Mary Margaret about how he's been missing and Mary Margaret's questioning her about, you know, what exactly happened. Like, how do you not know your husband is missing this whole time? And, of course, she's like, well, I thought he left town, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Dr. Whale comes out and they're talking about how, you know, like what his condition is and you know, like why he woke up and everything like that. And Henry, you know, Dr. Rose basically like, something woke him up. And Henry's like, someone. And then <laughs> Regina looks at him, you know, with that look, because, of course, she knows the truth. And, just, yeah, like, so she tells Henry that they got to go. And he says that he forgot his backpack. And then on his way out, of course, he stops and talks to Mary Margaret and tells her that, he, you know, she's the one that he was going, you know, getting up to look for. And, you know, the the bridge of the story and the toll bridge and everything like that. Like, he's just really trying to convince her that that's the case. And, you know, Emma is listening. And then she goes after, you know, Emma decides that something is weird. And she goes after Regina to talk about, you know, how weird it is, actually. And, you know, about Catherine just showing up out of nowhere. It's totally random and just strange. And Regina is, you know, mm-hmm. telling her that, she and Mary Margaret should be happy because true love won out, you know, and all that kind of stuff and whatever. And I just got to say, too, I really like Lana's hair a little bit longer than what it is in this episode. I just think that she looks a little bit like with the hairstyle that she's got going on right now. She can rock a little bit longer hair. I just feel like it's too short. I love Lana's hair hair in season three. Oh, my God. Yeah, the the last few episodes, that little bit longer hair. Looks so good on her. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. So then, you know, after that, um, 
you know, Mary Margaret is watching David, like, or, yeah, John, or David, now he is David, um, hug his wife, and they're just kind of looking at each other with that look of, you know, kind of like longing, just that, that there's obviously something there that they can't explain. And, uh-huh. you know, she's sitting there fiddling with her ring, which is, of course, Charming's ring, like his mother's ring. She still has it. And then she goes home, and she's all sad, and she's sitting on the stairs, and Emma shows up and wants to know if that other room is available. And Emma comes in, and she shuts the door, and they're going to be buds, and, you know, they're going to live together and stuff. And that was pretty much the end of the, that was the, end of the episode. Really? Stuff. And, you know, it's really weird because we're, like, we still got, like, 20 minutes left of the podcast, too. Um, so, yeah, overall, this episode, good snowing episode. I love it. I missed it. Um, it's nice to go back to season one and kind of watch this stuff again. Um, God, I remember the show was so different back in season one, though, wasn't it? It was. It was. I feel like it's. I mean, not only the character arcs are changing, but the just the feel of the show seems to be changing too. Not not in a bad way. It just seems like it's evolving from one thing into, you know, as it grows and as they go in different directions and as we start branching out into different lands and everything. But, yeah, I I loved this episode. I loved the music and oh, so good. Just uh, the whole episode I thought was one of the best of season one. So I think it's definitely, definitely one of my favorites. It's, Skin Deep is probably still my, my all-time favorite from season one, but... This one was definitely up there. And I really liked that Emma and Snow decided to move in together and be roomies at the end. I thought that that was a great touch. Me too. Me too. Um, Let me see. So since we're already pretty much done talking about the episode, what I'm going to do is talk a little bit about the whole thing with color and charming in this episode because, like I said earlier, that's, you know, something that I based one of my articles on that I wrote. So, see, the thing of it is that, you know, when, if you say, okay, so if you look at, at Charming's story altogether, right, like the, the story that actually starts in The Shepherd, um, uh-huh. he's not, he doesn't really wear red, his hair's kind of long, whatever, and then as soon as he becomes Prince James, he puts on, you know, that kind of red, you know, outfit. And if you look, what's funny is, you know, for, for Prince Charming, the color red symbolizes love, commitment to family, power, authority, all that stuff, like I said. When Snow hits him in the chin with the rock and she draws blood and she scars his chin, she creates a mm-hmm. physical mark on him with the color red because of blood. And it echoes the same one that she left on his heart and on his psyche. And the blood on his chin is significant because, you know, Snow White has taken his mother's ring, which is the last connection to his family line and his life before princehood. And the blood is also a precursor for his future family with Snow White because the end result of this meeting will be his family with, da- you know, his, his daughter Emma and the beginnings of a new bloodline, you know, which comes to include Henry. Mm-hmm. And it's also an indicator of his, you know, leadership abilities because it shows his willingness to literally put his blood, sweat, and tears into doing, you know, like into achieving success, basically. And then later on when he captures Snow White in the net, she gives him the charming nickname, and then uh-huh. when he takes when he takes out the poster, like her wanted poster. First of all, 
Uh-huh. The inner lining of his vest is red, and uh, he's also sure. and he's removing it from and he's removing it from above his heart, and it says wanted. So all of that, that whole scene in the net right there, that was direct symbolism of, you know, it's proof that he wanted her from the moment that they laid eyes on her. Like, she is wanted by him. Like, she's above his heart, and he's wearing red. Like, it totally, that's total symbolism there. And then his doublet, because that's what he's wearing, it's called a doublet, a consistent ensemble that he wears, and it complements his character perfectly because he's a Mm -hmm. courageous man. You know, and as their story continues, the examples of his bravery and his leadership, they occur more frequently. He talks about those qualities and what happened to Frederick, like, and he also told her that, you know, like, she, because in that episode, Abigail warns him that no other soldier has returned from facing the siren. And he told her that the other warriors had failed because of their lack of fearless bravery. So he's acknowledging that he has those skills himself. And then later on... And then later on in another episode down the road in Heart of Darkness, you know, um, yeah, like red appears all over the place. Like she shoots him with the arrow. He's got a red scarf on. His gloves have red on it. Like he's always wearing red. Like when he proposed, like when he goes to wake Snow White up, he's wearing red. Like when he proposes to Snow White, he's wearing red. Like all the time. Like compare that to David who wears blue in um, you know, his hospital gown, he wears blue at his party, he wears blue in the scene where he and Mary Margaret are putting up posters for the election, he wears blue mm-hmm. in, you know, a line about magic when he's going to leave. Like, David Nolan always wears blue, and Prince Charming always wears red. Like, it's always the same thing. So, um, and that kind of plays out over the season, and that's why that, you know, just those small examples right there are like that was what first hinted to me that you know there was something going on with the color. So yeah, that's how far into it I went. I've rambled a whole bunch now. What do you think about all that? <laughs> I loved your series on the red, and you still have more to come, right? You were going to do uh, more in this series of articles. Yeah, if life would ever slow down long enough to give me the chance to do that, I'm going to. Yeah, because. Um, the next one that I'm going to write eventually, I swear, is about um, Rumple and Cora. Because mm-hmm. their stories are intrinsically linked together. And also, like, Red has, I mean, hello, just think about it for a second. Um, right. Especially, especially with Cora, like, hello, Queen of Hearts. It's kind of obvious with that one. Um, mm-hmm. But then the last one that will come, you know, because it's basically four articles I'm going to be writing. I've only done two so far. Um, after Rumpel and Cora is going to be the big one, like the big papa one, which is, um, it's about Regina, Emma, and Henry. Mm. Because that color plays a huge part for those two. And actually, um, now that I've watched up through season three, that article is not going to include Neil because there is something going on with Neil and his colors. It's actually pretty mm. significant. Like if you watch Tallahassee, and um, actually, if you watch, you know, and the beginning of the flashback of There's No Place Like Home in season three when they're doing the flashback at the swings, the jacket that yeah. he's wearing, even though it's, the coloring is slightly off because of, you know, it's nighttime and so forth, that jacket that Neil has on, it's a red leather jacket. It's darker. It's a little bit more worn, but he wears a red leather jacket. Mm. I wonder if that was intentional and that's where Emma kind of, 
pick that up to be because the red jacket has kind of become Emma's armor, you know, if if that's what she picked it up. Because we really saw in these last couple of episodes that she learned a lot of what she took with her through the rest of her life from that time that she was with Neil. So, I mean, I kind of feel like that's where, you know, she picked that up, that that red leather jacket being the armor that she would wear. Me too. Um, what's funny about that actually is um, I always thought, like, when I saw Emma wearing red and this whole thing of red and the color of what it means came over me, first of all, I just want to point out that it's in, I think it's in the first Once Upon a Time magazine that they put out last year that has Regina and Emma on the cover. When they're talking mm-hmm. about costumes with Eduardo Castro, he actually mentions the fact that originally Emma's jacket was just a regular black leather jacket. But then Jennifer Morrison went to Adam and Eddie and said that they should change it to red, and then they did. So um, originally she was not going to wear a red jacket, and I think that that's interesting. And I also want to point out, too, that with the whole color red, first of all, you know, it symbolizes blood because she is Snow White's, you know, daughter, and she's, you know, Prince Charming's daughter, so it's like a blood thing going on there. But Uh also, if you see that this way with with the, you know, the huge effect that apples have had on the show. People always call children the apple of their parents' eye. And uh-huh. Emma it has a red jacket on, which is the same color as the apple that her mother bit. So it's kind of like, like Emma, is, and plus Emma is like the fruit of their union. You know what I mean? Like, right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that. And then apple, yeah, it's all, it's all related. Like it's all, and plus, you know, apples also look like hearts. Like in Heart of Darkness, when there's like, the you know the little black spot in there, it's basically it looks like an apple with a seed in it. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, so mm-hmm. it's all it's all related. It's all symbolism. It all kind of means the same thing, and I and I love it. I love that that's what that's the show, you know, that they incorporate that kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to uh, keep harping on here about that color thing, though. I do want to remind everybody that. Next week, our, um, the episode that we're going to be watching for next week's podcast is the next one of season one, which is episode four, The Price of Gold. Um, and, yes. and I have to say that I'm probably going to get a little nostalgic for this episode because this is actually the one that <sighs> I'm getting kind of personal about it already. Okay. This, like, the episode, The Price of Gold, is the first episode of Once Upon a Time that actually inspired me to change my life. So, um, it's going to be really, I have not actually watched this episode since I made the decision to go to college, actually, which was a year ago. Um, and my mm-hmm. life has changed head over heels a couple of times since then. So, right. um I'm pretty excited about that, actually, and I'm excited to talk about what specifically it was. Oh, my God, it's so weird. I talked about it with Jennifer Morrison, and now we're going to watch it again. Oh, my God. Okay. That's what I was thinking uh, about just now. I was thinking about how you said that to Jen at San Diego Comic-Con, how you mentioned, you know, the, the, about no one telling you who you, you can be. I was like, aw. <laughs> so good. God, it's going to be nuts. Oh, it's going to be nuts. I can't believe I'm going again. Like, 
I can't wrap my brain around it. I can't wait, though, because you know what? There, I, there is something that I wanted to do with Jennifer Goodwin last year that I didn't get a chance to do just because I was, like, falling all over myself with the fact that the first person I was talking to was Snow White. Like, I know that she's a human being, but it's, you're talking to Snow White, dude. Like, it's like going to Disneyland. It doesn't matter. Like, you're, it, just, it just seems that way. So right. I'm not going to say what it is now because I don't want it to, like, be out ahead of time, but I do have something really, really fun planned to ask um, Jennifer Goodwin that I think she's going to be really, really, I think she's going to have a really positive reaction to, and I can't wait to see what everybody thinks of it because I know for a fact that she'd probably want to do this just because I know her personality and I know her taste and everything. So, yeah. Um, now I'm yeah, curious. Also, I'll tell you. But, yeah, um, I also, too, if anybody has any questions that they would want me to ask the cast, um, please start letting me know now because I do have to start getting those questions and everything together now because I need to practice and make sure that I have everything down because there's nothing worse than going to talk to somebody like that and forgetting her question because that's exactly what happened to me last year. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen to you this year. So, Yeah. If you have any questions, please let me know. Facebook, Twitter, email. Um, yeah, you guys know how to get a hold of it. That's pretty much it for this week's edition of the podcast. I'm going to end it about five minutes early because, well, frankly, I'm out of discussion topics. My voice is tired, and I've got some homework to do. So, um, <laughs> I do. I've got some stuff I need to work on. So, yeah, everybody, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the first episode of our summer hiatus rewatch. Again, next week we're doing The Price of Gold, and we'll have, you know, whatever news comes up between here and then. Uh, hopefully, in the, at least, in the, we know for sure that in the next week or two, they're going to start casting for Elsa for Frozen for next, for, uh, next season. Yes. So um, I imagine we'll probably hear a lot of rumors about that. I do not expect to hear anything official whatsoever until we get closer to season four coming out. Um, I'm wondering if they'll have actually, you know, have made an announcement by the time Comic-Con comes, because I can guarantee you that a huge question for Adam and Eddie, and really all of them, is going to be frozen, and what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and what they all think about it, so can't wait for that. So yeah, thank you all for listening to the podcast for this week, and we will see you all next week. Good night.